Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are glad that you are here today. We want to welcome you, everyone that's here in person, and then we also want to welcome everyone that's joining us online. We appreciate you. We know God's got a good word for you today. Amen. I'm excited today. Hallelujah. Amen. One of the reasons I'm excited, I told the first service this, is that um, I had planned a completely different sermon. In fact, I had been working on it uh, all week and throughout the week, and then come uh, Saturday morning, uh, God says, isn't that cute? And said, you're going to preach something different. And so, (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but it does kind of throw a wrench in the works. Um, You know, I thought, oh man, I'm almost done. I'm going to be able to get this, you know, I'll spend about an hour cleaning things up, getting my PowerPoint ready, and man, I'll have the day off. Well, no, no. God said you're going to do something different. And, uh, but he is always faithful, amen? And he helped me, and so I got done, I think, I got done around 2.30 or so, and so I still had the afternoon off, so that was pretty good. God helped me. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, looking at a couple verses of Scripture. So I want to take a moment and just ask you uh, a quick question, rhetorical question. Please don't answer. Just think about it for a moment. So here's the question. What is so special about Christmas? Just think about that for a moment. What is so special about Christmas that we really should take the time to celebrate it? I want you to think about that for a moment. See, Christmas is one of the most celebrated holidays on the planet. Can you say amen? Every December, all over the world, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or Europe or anywhere else, people all over the world put up lights, they put up Christmas trees, they make special food, they exchange gifts, they attend parties, they travel to see family, and they talk about peace on earth during this holiday, don't they? Something that's very common, something that we all do. Most of you grew up with this. But the question is, but why? Why is Christmas so special? Ironically, this morning, most people who celebrate Christmas don't even understand what makes it special. For many Christians... Christian, or I'm sorry, Christmas, is nothing more than gifts and Santa Claus and excuse to take time off from work. Amen. It's, it's really a good sermon. I know you're thinking, oh dear God, what are we in for? It's, it's, it's really good. It went really well in the first service, so just, don't, don't, just relax, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to get you too much, but I'll get you a little bit. Somewhere in the back of our minds, in the back, we know in the background of this holiday, there's a baby Jesus, right? But the problem is, is that knowledge somehow never reaches our hearts, if we're not careful. And Jesus gets thrown into the basket along with all the decorations, the food, and the presents, doesn't he? And the problem with this kind of thinking is that 
Jesus never becomes anything more than a baby in a manger. And if Jesus is nothing special, then Christmas is nothing special. But the beauty of Christmas rests on the beauty of the Savior. Listen to what I'm saying. And if we miss the beauty of our Savior, then we're going to miss the beauty of Christmas. So turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, verse, starting in verse 6. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of the, his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This is powerful. This is powerful. Because see, think about it for a moment. Just kind of have this comparison. When man landed on the moon, how many, how many were alive when, the, when we first walked on the moon? A lot of you, amen. So there's a few of you that weren't alive. I was just little. I was real little. I think I was only about three years old or so or four years old when that happened. So I don't really remember it. Most of what I remember is what I was taught from history. But you know what? It was big news, wasn't it? It was almost as if the whole world stopped to watch Neil Armstrong take that one small step for man and that one giant leap for mankind. But nothing is compared. This compares in no way to the fact that God landed on earth. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Because Jesus is in fact God, isn't he? And his birth marks when God came to the planet. That's powerful and we need to pay attention to that. So I want to look at, first of all, the relevance of Christmas. And the relevance of Christmas is that God came to earth. That is important for us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 2, looking at verse 2 and 3, out of the uh, uh, ESV, it says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high listen Jesus is in every way God can you say amen that's powerful for us to understand it is powerful for us to understand that there is a mystery associated with Jesus because not only is he God, he is in fact fully man. And this is something we need to pay attention to because it is uh, imperative this morning that we protect the deity of Christ. He is in every way fully God. But he is also in every way fully man. 
And there is a mystery I do not know, and I do not believe there is a theologian on the planet that can explain to you how Jesus can, in fact, be fully man and fully God at the same time, but I want you to know that it is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. When Jesus came to this earth on Christmas, now now look it, I know there's always going to be somebody that comes up and say, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I know he was not. It was more likely in the spring or early summer. I don't understand why we have to struggle around that. The point is, is that we are celebrating the fact that God left heaven and he came and dwelt among us. Can you say amen? That God loved us so much that he got up from his throne and became a man and dwelt among us. That is important. Can you say amen? Amen. The Bible also goes on to say in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is, in fact, God on earth. Can you say amen? Jesus didn't start in a stable. He existed long before creation. And the relevance of Christmas is that God in the form of a human came to earth, he dwelt among us, and we, we, we may have a hard time understanding this eternal vague being in the sky, but Jesus came to earth and he dwelt among us and we understand him because he came to understand us. Can you say amen? No longer was God the invisible God. No longer was he the one who would dare to speak his name. He is now Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible says if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Jesus is God on earth. Can you say amen? And if that's true, then Christmas is the most relevant event of history. The wonder of Christmas really does lie in the miracle of God on earth. Now, I know we glamorize the birth of Christ. We talk about it. We clean it up. We have the, you know, the manger scene. We have all of the, the stuff at Christmas. We put it out, and we've even, even put it out to the point now it's cute. We have the little precious moments and the little kids and all of that and the little tiny angels and the, you know, the donkey that smiles and the cow that don't smell and all of that. How many know what I'm talking about? But the reality is Jesus' birth was rough. Listen to what I'm saying. He wasn't born in a hygienic hospital room or in a comfortable king's palace, but he was born in a smelly, dirty animal cell stall. And this humble beginning really does mask the fact that this child was no ordinary child. He is eternally God. He is God of all creation. Think about this miracle. The God who spoke the universe into existence could at that very moment not utter a single word. The one who created everything became subject to his own creation. The all-powerful became weak and helpless. And I was thinking about this because I was thinking in terms of, of the, the original title for this sermon was an invasion from heaven. Because only God would invade earth with a baby. 
I love that because God is so confident in victory that he says, watch this. I'm going to show up and I'm going to change the world as a baby. That's just awesome. See, the original sermon, I'll, I'll give you a little insight into what I was thinking. God had been really dealing with me for a while again, about spiritual warfare. Because one of the things that I'm seeing on a regular basis is so many people are falling victim to the schemes of the devil. And we really need to understand it. And we really need to understand the power and the gifting and the tools and the weapons that God has truly given us. We need to understand the authority that we have in his name. We need to understand the authority of his word, the power and the efficiency of his blood. And we need to be able to apply that. And we need to be uh, 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 deliberate in our application and overcome the devil because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? There should be never mentioned of us that we are defeated. We are not defeated. We do not go out uh, uh, whimpering. We go out with a high hand. Can you say amen? We are, we, God has, because of what he has done, he has made us all sufficient. He has uh, equipped us and given us the ability to rise above. And so that's what I was really wanting to talk about. And so even though God said, look, I want you to put that on hold, at first I was going to call this invasion from heaven because I was still in the warfare mindset. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But I got thinking about that because that's exactly what God did. He invaded the whole thing. He, he came as a baby. I just, I love this. I love this because here, you know, Rosemary Adams asked me a question before the 830 service, and I got thinking about this. So we were talking, and we were talking about struggling and different things, and I was talking about if I were God. It's probably really good for you guys that I'm not God. Because I was thinking if I was God, probably what I would have done is I would have just went like that to the devil, and then I would have started over. I'd have been done with the devil and done with all of you. I just got me a whole new crop. And probably what I would have done is I, I would have taken away that pesky free will thing. You're going to do what I say. And I'm going to program it in you. you know. But God doesn't do that, does he? And so Rosemary says to me, she asks me this question. She says, why didn't God just deal with the devil? He could have. He could have. And I got thinking about this, and it dawns on me. And I, I really do think I had a moment of revelation. Because I said, there's possibly two answers. And I said, the first answer being this is that in order for God to deal with the devil as we suggest, and just eliminate his existence, God then would have operated in a form and in a way that was against his nature. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. You know, there's an interesting scripture in the book of Jude. It's in a verse, I think it's about verse 8. There's only one chapter. It's somewhere in there as you begin to read down. And it said this, Michael the archangel contended with the devil concerning Moses' body. And then he said, the Lord rebuke you. And I remember praying about that one day and I was talking to God kind of complaining and I said, you know, God, that seems a little wimpy to me. The Lord rebuke you. Have you ever had somebody walk up to you and go, the Lord rebuke you? It's like, shut up, get out of here. 
the Lord rebuke you. What is that? Doesn't sound real tough, does it? I mean, Michael is the archangel. This is the warrior angel. He's, I mean, he's the head honcho. You know, he's like all that in a bag of chips. One little angel took out 175,000 people in the Old Testament. I'm thinking, Michael, you know, the Lord rebuke you. And I remember pl- praying about that, and God spoke to me, and he gave me this thing. He said, John, if, if, if Michael would have stepped down into accusation, you know, calling the devil a bunch of names and all that, he would have stepped to his level and become the accuser with him. And I went, See, God is a just God. And when God wins a battle, it's fair and square. And it's righteous. And I think for God to... Look at God loved Satan before he became Satan. He was the archangel that covered the... He was the cherub. He covered the throne of God. He was a created being. He loves all his created beings. But the devil rose up in pride and said, I'm going to do my thing. And God says, oh, no, you won't. And as fast as lightning from heaven, he falls to the earth. God kicked him right out of heaven. But God says, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to deal with you, but I'm going to deal with you in a unique way. I'm going to deal with you with my children, through my children. And I'm going to come in the form of a baby to show them how they can overcome you through me in the form of a baby. I thought, you know what? That is so like God. That's why Christmas, that's why this is awesome. Because it's not just this little cute, little precious moments. Although, hey, if you have precious moments, manger scene, God bless you. Have it. I'm not coming against it. If you have a Christmas tree, wonderful. Have a good time. It's not about the lights and the tree and the food and the gifts. But enjoy yourself. But remember, it's about Jesus, God on earth. He came to earth. He came. That's why Christmas is relevant. Because it's Emmanuel, God with us. Can you say amen? We can't afford to forget that Christmas really is about the Father making himself known through the Son. The reality of Christmas is that God became a man. He became a real flesh and blood man. Now once again, I I don't understand how that works. But this is the thing I do know, is that Jesus is in fact man. Here, I'm going to say something really controversial, and I'll thank you for your letters, cards, and emails later. Right now, as we speak, the man, Jesus, sits on the throne. There is a man, flesh and blood, with real nail prints in his hands, a real scar on his side, and nail prints in his feet that sits on the throne next to God the Father. Now, I don't under, he's fully God. I will not take that away. But he was also fully man. The Bible says this. I think it's First Timothy. It says this. There is one mediator between God and man. The man Jesus. It doesn't say he was a man and then he came back and became God again. He is the man. Jesus is mediating between us and God. You say, why is that significant? Because the man Jesus 
shows us what we are capable of. Does that mean that we ascend to the throne? Heaven's sakes, no. It means that we can be like him. The second Adam, which was supposed to be the, the first Adam was supposed to show us this, but he failed, he fell. So the second Adam, the second man, came, walked as a man, filled with the Holy Spirit, in right relationship with the Father, and said this is what perfected humanity looks like. And when you give your life to me, I will perfect you. Because it will not be about what you do, it will be about what I did. And now I will live in you, and the life you now live will be lived by faith in Christ. And you will be able to walk in a way that will emulate and represent me on this earth. And I will show you what humanity was meant to be. That's the point. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8 from the Message Bible. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible, incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privilege. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Why would Jesus come as a human being? If God wanted to communicate with dogs, I believe he would have became a dog. If God wanted to communicate with birds, he would have became a bird. But God wanted to communicate to people, so he became a person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, once again, I'm going to say it clearly so everyone in the room and everyone watching online... I will not and do not take anything away from the fact that Jesus is fully God. He is fully God, but he is also fully man. And that's the point of Christmas. Is God the Father, God the Son, came to earth and became a man. He was born like us. He came into this world crying, weak, helpless, dependent. Amazing. He grew like us. The Bible says from the things he suffered, he learned, he grew, he matured. And he suffered like us through life. He did become tired and lonely. He cried, he grieved, he ached. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says these words. He says, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it is crushing me. Jesus knew what it was like to feel pain and to be under pressure. But the amazing thing is not only did he have his brand of pain, he understands what it is to feel your pain 
pain. Not just, he's not one that can empathize, where he, empathy is that, that situation where you go to somebody and say, I too have gone what you've gone through, so I know where you're at. Jesus goes through your pain with you. On the cross, he carried your sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you lay in bed and you're worried about your children, he knows what it is to carry that concern. When you are fretting over a bill that is being unpaid, he knows what it feels like. When you're struggling with a habit that you can't seem to break, He knows what it is to struggle, but he is yet fully God and he knows how to overcome and bring the answer to that need. Not not only does he know your need, he knows the way out. I remember years ago in, in doing Jacob's Ladder and doing recovery, there was a famous story that went around uh, in a, a recovery story, and it went something like this. As a man had fallen into a pit, and he could not seem to get out. So a guy came by who was a counselor, and he stood at the edge of the pit, and he, he began to counsel. And he said, this is the best counsel I had have, but he could not get the man out of the pit with his counsel. So he went on. Another man came by. He was a priest. And he stood at the, at the pit, and he says, I'll pray for you. So he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And the man never got out of the pit. Finally, a friend came by. And he jumped into the pit. And the man in the pit says, what are you doing? What's, what's, what, why did you jump in? There's no way out. He goes, no, no, I've been down here before. I know the way out. See, that's what Jesus did. Jesus jumped in the pit and says, I know the way home. There is nothing more freeing than when you're lost and helpless, when somebody comes and says, I know the way home. Come on with me. Huh. Everything changes. That's the reality of Christmas. The reason for Christmas is Jesus came to die. Jesus didn't stay in the manger. He went voluntarily to the cross. He laid his life down voluntarily. I get this scene in my head where I think about Jesus as he's heading to his crucifixion. As he's going to that place. That all of the angels in creation were standing waiting and watching because at a moment's notice he could have said we're done and they would have responded but he didn't he submitted to the cross and he died and he died for you and I the Bible says in Philippians he was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death his death on the cross. Nobody put him there without his permission. 
He went there to demonstrate God's love. He went there to show us exactly how much God loves us. The Bible says God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, when we didn't consider him, when we didn't think about him, when we were doing our own thing, when we would have passed him by with no thought or no concern, he was dying on a cross for us. That just moves my heart. It moves me to think that Jesus loved me so much that when I cared nothing about him, that he cared completely for me. And he did it willfully. He followed through. Second, or 1 Peter 2.24 says, Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by his wounds that you have been healed. We have been healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. It's why he died. It's why he went to the cross. That's why he came. This baby was marked for death. Whenever a baby is born, when our children and grandchildren were born, we couldn't help but think about the future. We couldn't help but to think that there was such potential that we looked at them and said, what will they be? Who will they, where will they go? What will they do? What will they change? What will happen? And Jesus came to die. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thing that this child, this little bundle of joy, this miracle came to sacrifice himself for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And finally, the result of Christmas is that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that because Jesus was willing to walk in humility, he became our Lord. Look at Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. And so, in honor of the name of Jesus, all beings in heaven and earth and in the world below will fall to their knees and will openly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus came to be our Lord. You know, I'll say something again, maybe just a little bit controversial, but this is the challenge of Christmas. It's not enough to accept him as Savior. We have to make him our Lord. Better yet, the better way to say this is we need to surrender to him as Lord. There's a lot of people that have made him Savior. They've acknowledged his forgiveness and his grace and mercy in their life, but they do not acknowledge his authority. They still want to do it their way. They still want to live the way they want to live. They still want to interpret what they want to interpret the way they want to interpret it. And they just want to do their own thing. But Jesus said, I came not only to die for you to be your Savior, but I came to be your Lord. And he is a good Lord. He's a good Father. He does not come as a despot. He does not come as a maniacal, manipulating, evil despot that wants to ruin your life he comes to give you the kind of life that you dream of but church one of the hardest things for us to do is to, to submit ourselves 
And the reason it's so hard for us to do is because we have come up with so many um, preconceived notions about what it is to serve God. We've come up with so many things because for so long man has tried to manipulate the situation by putting more and more and more rules into place to serve God. Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, never forget my simplicity. It's easy to be saved. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But we wrestle, don't we? And what we're wrestling with, truly at the end of the day, is our will. It's that pesky thing called the will. Because we like being in control. We don't like the results of being in control. We we do like making the decision. But I guarantee you today that this Christmas, if you will take the time and realize that Jesus came to be God on earth, and he came to be a man so that he could relate to you, so he could show you how to live, and that he came to die for you, to pay the price, that if you submit to him as Lord, he will change everything about your life. And it will be better than you can ever imagine. It will be better than you can ever imagine. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll be very vulnerable with you today. Pastoring has been difficult. It has not been an easy thing. But serving God has been the best thing that I could ever do in my life. It hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been upbeat. There has been many setbacks and difficulties and challenges. And there have been many things that have been said and done that have hurt me deeply. But one of them that has not ever hurt has been the fact that Jesus is my Lord. And I follow him. I listen to his word. I open his book. You know, I think that's the tragedy of Christianity today, is that we spend so little time in his word. And I want you to think about this for a moment, just if you can, as I bring this to a close, if you can imagine just for a moment, you're going to have to use your imagination. But imagine that you were in a spaceship, launched into outer space. You had a pilot But inexplicably, the pilot died. You're running out of air. You're running out of water and food. There is no way out. But there is a manual in the glove box. And on top of the manual, it says this. If you will follow these instructions to the letter, you will live and you will thrive. I guarantee you, in that moment, you would open that manual up and you would read it as if your life depended upon it. Because it does. Well, so what that tells me is the difference between our situation and that situation is a matter of motivation. See, the problem with life... The Bible actually says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. It says, because judgment is postponed, it is set into the hearts of men to do wicked. So we get away with it, and we think, oh, there's no consequences. Nothing's happening. 
then things begin to happen, but we don't relate those things to the decisions we made yesterday. We look at it as the moment, and we don't understand that it's the oxygen and the water and the food that's being depleted, and our lives are being risked because we want to do it our way or because we just simply don't want to read the manual. So with the proper motivation... See, if there's anything that I've learned through this pandemic is we're capable of a lot once we're motivated. There's all kinds of people figuring out all kinds of schemes. (laughs) Why? We're motivated. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. We get motivated. Problem is, is things are delayed. But I'm com- telling you, there's coming a day. Yes, amen. That day may be in our lifetime, it may not. But I want you to know this, I'm going to be prepared. And that's the point of Christmas. Jesus, he gave me a present, and it was himself. Amen. And that's what Christmas is all about. Amen. That's what God is about today. Amen. So why don't you take a moment and bow your heads with me. Let's just pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you, God. We thank you for the goodness of your word. And we thank you for what you gave us, God. We thank you, God, that you revealed these things to us through your word. And I pray that this Christmas, Lord, that that we would have just a wonderful time with family and friends. Father, that we would just celebrate with food and presents and all of the trimmings of Christmas. But Father, that in that, that we would never forget. And Father, that we would prioritize what it is that you did and who you are. Father, that we would be reminded that Christmas is about you, God on earth. That Christmas is about the fact that you became a man. Christmas is about the fact that you came to die. And Christmas is about you being our Lord. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, whether you're in this room in person or whether you're watching online, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're not right with God, but you want to give your life to Christ, if that's you, would you lift your hand up all across this place? Maybe you're not right with God. Amen. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Anyone else, you're not right with God. You want to get right with God. If you're watching online, if this is you, we're going to pray here in a minute. And when we pray, once you're done, we want you to put a a note, uh, some sort of comment in the comment section, acknowledging that you gave your life to Jesus, and we'll have somebody respond to you. But I want you to pray this prayer. Would you all say this? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life, and I surrender to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask real quickly if our ministry team would come up, uh, if the ministry team would come up front real quick. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the 101st time, would you do one other favor as we dismiss here in just a moment? We're going to dismiss here in just a moment, but as we do, would you, if you prayed that prayer, would you come up and let one of these folks know, let them pray with you, let them share with you just a little bit, because we want to help you, we want to be there for you. 
And, and if you're here today and you have any other need, you have a need, uh, maybe you know, we're, we're about at, to enter in to a time where a lot of families going to be coming around. Maybe you have unloved uh, uh, or un, unsaved loved ones that, that need Jesus and you need prayer. Come on up or you're concerned about something, come on up, they'll pray with you and we'll believe God, or any other need. Why don't we stand to our feet all across this place? You come up if you need them. For the rest of you, we're going to dismiss you today. God bless you. You guys have a great Sunday afternoon, and we will see you next week. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.